Family from the Heart, podcast episode number 429. Entertaining, educational, and encouraging content that makes a difference. This is GSPN.TV. Join the community. Welcome to another episode of The Family from the Heart, a podcast that is devoted to giving you a behind-the-scenes look into the lives of the Ravenscraft family, a family that has given up on the ordinary to pursue the lives for which they were created. Now, here are your hosts, Cliff and Stephanie. That's right, my friends. Welcome back to another episode of Family from the Heart. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And we are here to continue our coverage of the book, The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And if you thought we were going to finish chapter one today, you might be wrong. (laughs) This is part three of our coverage from the book, from chapter one of the book, The Big Leap. And we went, we actually have already recorded this. We're recording this intro at the end of our conversation. Why do you do that? Well, because um, what we are hearing right now, the introduction to the Family from the Heart podcast episode this is going to be included at the front for Family from the Heart, but our conversation that, that we had... That way people want to leave can leave. No. No? Th- no. The conversation that you and I have had before I will be the first the, of the replay. Will be, will be the first of the replay, but it also is being put into the Train with Cliff audio program without the Family from the oh, Heart branding at the end. Gotcha. Does that make sense? You hitting those people with a double. Uh, that's exactly right. See, there are people who are part of the Patreon train with cliff program that are not subscribed to family from the heart so i want to have them hear this content as well but anyway that's what's going on here Uh, stephanie and i are continuing our coverage of the big leap but we talk about some things that are not necessarily related to the big leap and we have lots of funds fun we have funds we have funds we have funds we have (laughs) disagreements there's a little bit of sarcasm. <laughs> and, Disagreements about disagreements. And, and there's all sorts of fun stuff. We learn things every week until next, or well, actually not until next time. No, this is, no, uh, this is the beginning. Here's that conversation right now. Well, Stephanie, we are back now with what is going to be part three of this series on The Big Leap. And this is also part three of our coverage of chapter one. Cliff reads to you the entire chapter. I know. Why did I read it? I'm not sure. I'm not going to read chapter two. I'm going to see how that goes. <laughs> you can't do that. I think it would be more fun because now I've I read chapter one three weeks ago. Yes. So the fact that you think I remember any of that information is really funny. Gotcha. All right, so we're we're just going to continue on with chapter three where we left off. We're at the section where it talks uh, about... Chapter one. I'm sorry, chapter one, not chapter three. Where we left off. So where we left off um, with, it says, our ego. He says that many of our fears are based on the workings of the ego. The part of us that's focused on getting recognition and protecting us from social ostracism. So he's talking about these fears. When we talk about the upper limit challenge or the upper limit problem, as Gay Hendricks calls it, he says, listen, we get ourselves in such a place where we have this limit that we've imposed upon ourselves about how well we're allowing our life to go, Mm -hmm. how good things can go financially, how much success we can have, how long we can go with our relationships being filled with love and affection and joy and awesomeness before we say, okay, I think we've pressed some sort of threshold of my comfort of allowing my life to go this well. Hmm. I want to do something either consciously or unconsciously to, to kind of bring things down to a level that seems to be a little bit more acceptable because nobody's life could be this darn good. Is that a good review so far of what was covered in that's fairly, parts one and yeah. part two? That's yeah. the that's the upper limit problem. So uh, he says that one of the reasons why we struggle uh, is it, with fears is based upon the workings of the ego. And if if we think about the ego, and and I've been studying a lot about the ego, and originally. I thought about the ego as being all this negative thing. It's all of our program stuff and blah, blah, blah. I'm coming to a better understanding, a more fuller understanding of what the ego is and and using that language. But there is certainly the ego is 
definitely there as a mechanism. It's a, it is a, an archetype of ourself. It is a part of us that is meant to protect us, to, to help us to fit into and plug into this world at large so that we can experience comfort and avoid pain. And okay. so, so for, so our fears based on the workings of the egos and we, we like the pleasure of getting recognition. Some of us do, you know, to feel important, to feel mm-hmm. that we're valued and, and stuff like that. And we also, many of us, and, and certainly I've had times when it was a pretty significant desire to be recognized. I, I, I was a bit to the extreme on that side, but I was also a bit on the extreme of being fearful of being ostracized for others or, or by others or judged by others or not being accepted by others, being fearful of being put out of community or relationship by others because I might not be falling in line with their expectations of how they think I ought to show up in the world. Have you ever dealt with any of those? Have you ever have you ever struggled with a desire for being well known and experiencing fame and having everybody like you? Say that again. Have I ever Have you ever struggled with wanting Oh god no. To be no. I I don't want to be well known. I don't want people to recognize my voice on the streets of New York City and um which has happened that that's why I use that. Yep. You know, um, it, it's really weird to be recognized by your voice. Just, you know, um, by strangers in that way. But no, being in the limelight is something that's never been a desire of mine. Really? Really. See, for me, I, I don't know why, but it, it had been a compelling desire of mine from the time I was a kid. I've always wanted to be recognized by my peers as somebody that's above average. I always wanted to be recognized by my teachers and mentors. And it's like, listen, I'm somebody special. I stand out from the crowd. And part of me wonders, if I go back and, and think about if that wasn't some of the ways that I was uh, rewarded as a child. It's like, oh, look at you. You, you know, and, and I wonder, it's like, hey, everybody, look at Cliff. He did this in a very special way. And, I, and, and it comes to me. I remember times when, when, it, when a teacher would take time and say, hey, if you want to see somebody who, who really understands this, look at what Cliff did here. And it's like, dude, that set me up for wanting more and more and more of that. And, you know, we talked about a long time ago, and we've talked about several times, the the five love languages mm-hmm. and mine being words of affirmation, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so, yeah, I was, I'm, I will tell you that a lot of my goals in life early on and, and not, too, not even too long ago, a lot of my goals in life, some of the things that I pursued was in pursuit of receiving more rewarding feedback and admiration from other people. And it's only in looking back in hindsight that I could see that I felt that my worthiness was tied to my ability to stand out among my peers and be seen as more successful, more whatever, and and more special, you know, look at me, you know, look at how good I am and and wanting to be seen that way by so many others. And and I would often do things at such levels that that I would be compelled to work around the clock at listening. Nobody's gonna outwork me. You might you might be more naturally talented, but I'm gonna end up getting more results than you because I'm just gonna outwork you. And ah I wow, it, it took a lot to break free from that. And it also for me helped it I there came a time when it's like what I I am too fragile. 
this, I'm like a porcelain doll. It's like, you know how porcelain dolls, you know, are, are very highly, long time ago, they're highly sought after dolls that <laughs> girls would have or whatever, right? They are. I think I have three in the bottom of the buffet in the foyer. Do you? That were mine as a girl that one, I think McKenna had said she wanted, so I kept them, but now she's going to be 17 next week, and I guarantee you she didn't care about them anymore. And they're just shoved in the bottom of the buffet. Yeah. See, but the thing is, though, is they're porcelain dolls, right? They are. All right. Now, out of all the dolls that you've ever had throughout all your childhood and and however long you've, how many other dolls did you have that are not in that buffet being waiting to pass down? It's the porcelain dolls that stand out. Hold on. but, But also it is. But those are the only ones that I held on to. Um, I have three younger sisters, so all of my other dolls have already been passed down. These are the only ones that I kept to pass down to my daughters. Yeah. Does that, so. Yeah, no, I get it. They, so, they've already. And, and I'm, I'm just belaboring a point that doesn't need to be made, but the idea is that what I have discovered in my pursuit of being more special than others and stuff like that. There are some dark sides to that. Roy is in the chat room and he says, it sounds like what I'm hearing Cliff say is this is his love language. And and I I would say that I've taken the, you know, the five love languages and words of affirmation certainly ranks top when I do those tests. But I don't know that words of affirmation would be ranked as high in my own desires to be to receive it I, I i matter of fact i would i would say maybe it's even dropped below maybe to a second position or third position in my love language today and it's because i've experienced the dark side of of words of affirmation or seeking the praise of others or seeking to be special to to be in the limelight and that is it, it. I realize it's like, wow, wait a second. If if I could be built so, if I if I could be pumped up and feel so great about myself by some very encouraging, significant words from somebody, I also found that I could also be tore down pretty quickly by some 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 not so kind words, and and I, I just didn't like it, and so. Anyway, I, I don't know if that... Oh, it, it talks about the ego. So how, how this fits in, the next line, it says, in the zone of genius, your ego is unnecessary. Living in your zone of genius is the reward in and of itself. Does that speak anything to you at all? I mean, it makes sense. Okay. It, 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 make, it makes sense when you're living... Um, because I'm not currently... Working in in a because I'm not currently drawing income personally. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, this rings differently for me. How does it ring for you? Because right now, for me, my zone of genius is just living completely comfortable with myself. Yeah. I don't need words of affirmation because I don't need the ugly side of people having the power to tear me down, um, which is what you just said. Mm-hmm. When you rely on people to build you up, you allow people to tear you down. Um, so I, you were just talking. Um, I had a story, but there was no place to interrupt you because once you start talking, you just forget that other people are in the room. Um but I remember as I was I was young, like maybe second grade, which would have made me seven. But like the later part of, of second, whenever they started giving us multiplication tables and we had to, you know, you got to memorize zero times all the numbers and one times all the numbers and two times all the numbers. And I was the first kid in my class who got to seven. So seven times all of the And... And they took me around to all the other math classes and they made me do it in front of all the other kids. And let me tell you, that was the last time that I, that was, I was maybe seven. That was the last time that I felt like I had to be the best at something. <laughs> I will just be second best and I'm okay with that. Um, so, so that's not something that I, that I have ever sought out. But in the last 10 years of my life, I live my life 
completely comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable in my surroundings, in my environment, in my relationships, but most importantly with myself. And right now that is my zone of genius. And I know that I am called to share that with other people. That's why I come and I do things like this. Um, that's why I do things like step out of my true comfort zone and put myself in the limelight because I am called to share this. Um, and, and so living in my zone of genius means something completely different to me than being financially prosperous. Well, yeah. And, and, and Which is what the beginning of chapter one was all about. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely this is a book written to entrepreneurs seeking to have greater career success. I mean, that that's very clearly here and and stuff like that. But it's 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 not just financial. But did and you follow what I said? I like, followed everything okay. that you said, and I agree with it. And your zone of genius clearly is breaking free from the... I'm a cycle breaker. ...expectations of others, breaking free from the conditioned beliefs of our past, and experiencing freedom to be who you truly are, regardless of what anybody has to think or say about it, because it's none of their business. Because if it is their business, then they have the power to speak over me that's right and i don't allow them that exactly you retain your power to be your authentic self so recently um i have i have a very outspoken dad who believes that only he is right all the time and um that all of his children should follow all of his advice all of the time now Am I being a little um, maybe exaggerating on that? Maybe a bit for just for just story's sake, but not really. And um, and so recently, I had a sibling going through going through a situation, and I was telling my sister, um, it does not matter what any well what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what so and so. It doesn't matter what Dad thinks. At the end of the day. It only matters what you think about yourself, where you're at, how you love you. And this. so I'm relaying this information to my dad that I, I said, I just want you to know that I, I said this to her and, and I mean every word. And so I, I said, so I told her what dad thinks doesn't matter. He's going to have his opinion. It's going to be loud. It's going to be this. It's going to be, th- but it doesn't matter. It may matter, but it's no, it no, still no. doesn't. Not it doesn't in the power. Have, not in the power to make her to 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 lead her in a place to feel negative about where she is or negative about what she's doing or in. It doesn't have to influence. you. It doesn't have to influence you, and that's what I was, and that's what. Yeah. And they, knew, I mean, obviously, it was a longer conversation than what I'm. Yeah, just I, trying I, to share I here. I just but, wanted to say because I, I think you care what your dad so, says. I think you care what your dad believes, and so it's not that you're saying. And, and I, the only reason I corrected, the, not that I corrected it, but just for the sake, is I don't want people to think that Stephanie doesn't think that what her dad says matters. It, it, it matters. It's it's something to. No, it's like hmm, okay. I, it, let me evaluate what my dad says. Let, you know, let and me I ju- can take it or leave me, it, and that exa- and that that's and that exact. is for me. I get to choose to take it or to, leave it. I get to choose if it has power over me. Yes, absolutely. And and I mean because I get I get the importance of positive words from yourself, most definitely from yourself, which is what I think is a number one struggle for a lot of people. Um, and from, from other people, like I, I, I mean, um, what are they called? Words of affirmation, not my love language. Mm-hmm. I mean, my first language is sarcasm. That's so <laughs> far from words of affirmation. Um, but I get the power of it. I, I, I get the power of it. Um, but you have the choice on whether it speaks power into you or over you or at you at all yeah and i've come to the place where in you know i i used to really seek and desire and and allow myself to really feel good about who i am when i would receive words of affirmation from anyone 
Uh, and, and it's like, oh my gosh, this person just wrote me this email to praise me for what I've done and the impact that I've had. And I'm like, wow, I feel like I, you know, I matter in this world. You know, it's like, I, I you know, it, it's okay that I take up oxygen and resources from this planet because I'm contributing. I feel really good about myself. And I would really seek that. And today I'm at a place where, you know, I really appreciate when somebody sends me positive feedback and and some encouraging words and stuff like that. But in a way, I try not to let it phase me. Like phasing me means that it changes my emotional state. I right. try not to allow today an incredibly awesome piece of feedback or testimonial or words of affirmation to make me feel better than I did before I actually became aware that somebody just sent sent this thing to me or said this thing about me. But I but and and the reason why is because I don't want to I don't want to be phased. I don't want my emotional state to be phased in any way, you know, towards the positive or towards the negative. I so so I just want to I just want to live my life knowing that I am in alignment with who I am, with what I feel to be called to do in this world. I want to create the content I feel led to create. And if some people really love it and they want to tell me, that's awesome. I'm glad that they love it. And if somebody wants to write me negative feedback and wrote and say all sorts of negative harm, you know, hurtful things towards me. By all means, dude, have at it. But I still want my emotional state to be one of peace, love, joy, complete fulfillment, knowing that I'm in alignment with my true authentic self. And and there what I what I'd love to say is that I had experienced this for like 18 months and I am currently, I think there's a reason why I think you and I were led to cover this book because I think I need to hear the message of Zona Genius again, but more importantly, I need to make sure that I understand this because quite frankly, there is a very new season of my life that I'm moving towards. I have changed a lot about very specific beliefs that have allowed me to uh, get plugged into a very large community around the world and based upon my entire adult life and most of my childhood devoted to becoming the best or the most knowledgeable or the one that that would have a t- lot of time effort and energy that would be applauded and seen as very uh, it's like, wow, that's very inspirational that Cliff has been that much involved in this area and I'll even I'll even say what it is is in, in the Christian faith. And today, I I have some beliefs that have shifted so much so that people who in the past have experienced the shift in beliefs that I have today, that I personally in my past have ostracized. I, I don't want anything to do with that person. That person's gone on. <laughs> he, he or she has, that. that is no, absolutely not. I'm putting you out of my life. I don't want to be your friend anymore. I don't want to talk to you anymore. And I got to tell you, there, there's so many things that I would love to share and just, and and I'm finding myself clamming up a little bit about just being open and transparent about some of the things that I'm reading today, that I'm studying today, that I'm contemplating, that I'm thinking. And I got to tell you, there's a little bit of fear that, I might be experiencing a little social ostracism from some folks that uh, have been, let's just say, a couple thousand or maybe even ten or 15,000 people over the last decade that have come to know, like, and trust me that if maybe if they knew I was reading some of the books and contemplating and, and, and even changing and shifting some of the things that I believe about my faith in God, that I might not actually... They might not consider me to be their friend anymore. Can Can I ask you a question? Yes, you may. That's, that's we're here. So, if these people who have grown to know, like, and trust you over the last decade decide to change how they feel about you because you have explored your journey of faith farther, and it no longer it no longer matches up 
with theirs, then did they really know, like, and trust you? Well, I think the answer to that question, because it is a question, I think the answer is yes, but they're no, they're, well, first of all, knowing me, yes, they knew me because they knew me as much as I knew myself and and how I expressed myself. So, yes, they knew the cliff that he portrayed himself to be, which was authentic and transparent at the time. I'm a Christian like you. I have this experience. I believe these things like you, blah, 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 blah. So did they know me? Yes. Did they like that? Yes. Their like was based upon the fact that it's very similar to their own, and it's kind of cool to have people who reinforce your beliefs. And did they trust me? Yes. But if I change some of that formula of who I am today— and what I believe today, and it goes out of alignment with them, will they still know me? Yes. <laughs> will they still like me? Maybe not. And will they still trust me? In some cases, almost definitely not. And so there's the there's a little bit of the fear of, of losing some of the like and trust. Although, at, hold on one second. I, I, I'm... I'm already almost completely to the over other side of this. It's just been a journey of getting through it. But what I can say is this, and by the way, I don't I don't know that I would label it as I'm further along, because I don't want to think that anybody to think that, well, you believe- I didn't say further along. I, I said you've gone farther in your journey. Thank you. Gone farther on your journey. But I, I, well, then I don't want anybody to interpret that the way that I might have interpreted it. It's like, oh, Which well, Which is what gone. it is. It's a journey. We're not supposed to get on one thing and stop, and it never goes anywhere ever there, again. I, there was a time you that I can, believed that. You can you can take that for what it is, but I'm not saying that you believe that. I am saying that I believe that. It's a journey. It's supposed to be a constant growing and questioning and learning and moving forward. And see, I believe called, that today. It's called life. And what I used to believe is you. this is the truth. This is what the truth has always been. You believe it. You 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 you, you just deal with what the truth is. You align everything about who you are around this truth. You never question in it, and you just, by golly, you live your life in accordance to these, this doctrine, this and that dogma. That's what certain people want you to believe, and that's they what want I believe you to for live there. That's what I believe for a very long time to live there and stay there, and 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 so. So what if you lose a few friends and a, a few listeners? What if you gained more? Well, th- th- there are two things that have occurred to me that are very clear. Number one, yes. What? How many people could I reach that would be more open to the way that I dialogue about my faith journey where it is today that wouldn't have listened to me a long time ago and when I was... what if maybe we lived in a world where we all loved one another without giving any kind of um, care or, or um, stature to how we believed differently and, you know, are different because we are created differently? Yeah. This hair is driving me crazy. Do you see it? I it's do like, see it. Uh, anyway, I don't, now, I don't, that, so, and that's the world. But hey, I don't have a lot of friends. <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> Stephanie doesn't struggle with this because she has no friends. No, uh, so I, that's exactly where I've come. It's like there's an there's an entire audience of that's people not- who may have been turned off by how legalistic I've I, and how dogmatic and and stuck. I have been in my beliefs. I'm I'm immovable in this, 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 and so therefore. Um, however, the other thing that has occurred to me is like, well, gosh, I have, I used to feel this way, and I have, it's only because I've been exposed to other people who are living their truth, who are sharing their experience of the world that has conflicted with my internal beliefs, that have triggered all sorts of uneasiness inside of me. But it's only because of that that I've come around to seeing the value in what they believe and the peace, love, and joy that it brings, and also how it actually creates unity among all humans, potentially. And I'm like, wow, this seems to be more in line with what I've always felt my faith has was supposed to be about. But it it, it just seems to be, it's yeah, so... Anyway, no, I, I, and, and I who follow. knows, I could be an influence in a positive way on them. Although I, there, my, the old version of me, I would have been, I would have considered me to be a, negative a, a very influence. negative influence. Yeah. 
Uh, so if you like the status quo, chances are you don't want to listen to a lot of future Cliff Ravenscraft content. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I have no idea where we are in this book, but we're still talking I, about ego. And I, I know we are. Fear um, from I, I've totally moved on from that. That's fine. Um, I think. I okay. I keep my circle small on purpose. Okay. Um I think Jesus did too. He did, and that's where I got the idea. I mean, he had he had thousands of followers, and if you think about it today, he had millions of followers, but mm. strawberry. Yes. <laughs> okay. I had no idea. I just picked a thing. Um but within that he had twelve. And within the 12, he had three. And within the three, he had one. It's a great recipe for life. Y'all should try it. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be loved by hundreds and hundreds of people. You need a circle that you can trust, that well, there, is, there is community and there is relationship and there is life and love and, and growth and joy happening in those relationships and then the rest don't matter. And then I don't mean that they don't matter. I don't mean I need to find another phrase. Uh, yeah, the, and, and I know that. Um, it you what it, it, other people's opinions are do not need to influence, influence you negatively it, or that's positively. Too many words. We gotta we gotta narrow it they down. Don't that's too it, many it, it, words. Those people just don't matter. <laughs> and and that's not that's not true because they do matter. I know they do matter. It's just um, they don't have the power to influence. Mm-hmm. That they they don't have the power to influence. Yeah. All right. So we could go. Are we down. really going to try to finish this book? Uh, this chapter. We're definitely going to get through this chapter today. That's funny because I've totally pop. written off the rest of the book. You know that, right? You're not going to finish this book with me. <laughs> Are you going to finish this book? Yes, we're. Gonna I'm do not going to be reading this book when we're f- like celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> We can. I step. Megan says I'm not going to listen today. I'm like, why? She goes because you're still on chapter one. And I was like, but yeah, but she goes. You guys go on so many tangents. I said the whole the tangents are the entire reason Point. why we do podcasts. <laughs> you know, it, I mean the the whole idea of reading the book. The book gives us the the diving board or the platform to jump off of to have these conversations i don't i mean however long it takes us to get through this book doesn't matter to me the fact is is this book is a great foundation for us to start a lot of meaningful conversations for me i'm enjoying every episode so far of us talking about the chapter one of the big leap more than i've enjoyed the the journal prompt starters that we did a couple episodes back okay do you agree with that? That's fine. I enjoyed them all. It, it doesn't matter. Okay, cool. Because when I get up out of this chair, chances are I won't remember anything I said while I was in it. That's fine. Except for don't give people the power to influence. Well, the important thing here is is the key is to discover what is your zone of genius. And he still has not explained that yet. We're going to talk about it in just a moment. Which I think he does a lot of talking about it prior to explain like. He does all of this. You should be there. You should be there. You should be there. That's not really what he's saying, but that's what I'm picking up. Um, before he actually explains what it is. Yeah, and and I think that was by design, probably. Uh, it, but but just you know, just if you if you don't even know what well, you know, zone- if I mattered, then he would know that it's not a great way to write a book. Good thing he doesn't rely on your words of affirmation for his feelings about how good his oh. book is. All right. He says this, in your zone of genius, it's unnecessary. Uh, Your ego is unnecessary when it comes to protecting you from the fear of ostracism. When you live inside, when you live in alignment with who you truly know you are, and you are authentically in love with who you are, then you need no protection from the thoughts of others. That's essentially the message Mm -hmm. here. And I love that. He says, in the zone of genius, you cease to care about recognition or ostracism. And I I have been to that mountaintop and the interesting thing is, is I'm I'm heading towards an even greater clarity about my zone of genius, a greater clarity about my identity, and and it's a whole different thing. And it's like there there is very much a real potential 
of recognition, yes, but also ostracism. You and I'm, know just, what that I'm sentence, just being authentic to tell you that these have been going on in my head. What? You know what that sentence makes me think of? Tell me. Is how great your fear of ostracism was when you used to script me for podcasts. Yes. Because you were so afraid that what I would say would... Yeah. What, yes. Yeah. I used to yeah. script Stephanie back in the old Weekly Lost podcast days. <laughs> just read. Just, just read. read. And she would go off script and I would go and edit that out. Well, because you can't have... Okay, hold on. <laughs> How can you have a, po- a lost podcast called My Initial Reaction? <laughs> When my initial reaction was scripted. <laughs> I, I put good words in your mouth, didn't I? No, you put your words in my mouth. How long did that last? Uh, it was our re- initial reaction and you were helping me But read. it was only yours. Got it. No, I was just kidding. Oh, fun stuff. You can't just be kidding. You actually did it. I know I did. <laughs> Once you make a commitment to inhibiting your full potential, your ego is suddenly faced with extinction or inhabiting, not inhibiting. Once you make a commitment to inhibiting or inhabit. Did you type it right? No, it's, it's written right. Okay. I just can't read. Once you make a commitment to inhabiting your full potential your ego your ego is faced with extinction now that, that it's language like that by the way that got me to misunderstand the purpose and the value of the ego the ego from what i've learned how when i first started the the crazy spiritual journey the season of my life the spiritual journey that i that started in october of 2020 I began to see the ego as something that needs to be done with, that we should eliminate the ego. What I've learned since then from psychology, Carl Jung, and and a lot of other studies, and, and working with the coach that I'm working with right now, is that the ego has a responsibility and a role. For as long as we are, if we want to continue to be human in this world we'll and, to an be, and to be in this world, not necessarily of this world, but to be in this world, we do need an ego. We do need a personality. We do need to 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 adopt a way of being but that I think allows that's us to- But different from society's definition of ego. And if you well, don't have a clear knowledge of the two, it can be very- Yep. Confusing. I, I thought ego was just that part of your personality that just wants to be, you know, egotistical, Reckon. arrogant, recognized. But actually, ego is is a it is a part of your identity. It's a part of who you are that is designed to protect you. And and, it, and and we need protection in this world. If we want to live in this world, we do need protection. Our, our ego is there to be on the lookout for danger. It, our ego is there to help us avoid experiencing pain. And our ego is also there to help us to experience pleasure. And so an and ego is nothing more than our programming codes of beliefs about what it would take for us to feel good and avoid feeling bad. And sometimes we have some, we've given our ego some really bad programming that feeling good means these things. And so it tries to help us go do that. And it says, and, and feeling bad means these things. And it tries to help us to avoid that. But anyway, we can retrain our ego to be uh, more beneficial. We do not have to kill the ego. Uh, so when he says your ego is suddenly faced with extinction, that's one where I think that goes to a little bit of an extreme. I don't want my ego to face extinction, but I'd love for my ego to update its operating system with new lines of code that says I don't need the praise of others and I don't need to be overly concerned about what other people might say if they don't agree with me. Cool. All right. Uh, let's see here. Fa- let's, <laughs> I love it. Faced with annihilation, uh, your, your your ego will set off bo- uh, smoke bombs of fear. And I'm glad we're bringing this up because this, again, the, the whole idea, faced with annihilation, your ego. Now, the thing is, is faced with the the going against what your ego has been programmed to receive and to, and to experience it, it's going to be fearful. It's going to say, whoa, danger. You are in danger 
of losing out financially if these people who are your clients all decide to go away because of all the things that you're saying or you know if you don't if you don't live in alignment with what these people expect from you then this is dangerous um the thing is is um that you don't have to annihilate the ego. You just want to pro- update the program. And so that's why I'm saying this is where I would, if I were writing this book, I would probably change a little bit of this language because it's not about the annihilation of the ego. It's the annihilation of the co- the programming code that causes the ego to throw up smoke bombs every time you want to be authentic and in alignment with who you are. Right. Just update some belief systems. But then wouldn't he have to... Describe the definition between the ego yes. and your ego. Yeah, and then that would make us go and that into would part be a whole four. Another book. It'd be a whole other chapter. That would be a whole different book. We'd have to be podcasting about like this, this until we were in our seventy fifth wedding anniversary. <laughs> this needs to have a prerequisite. Like McKenna just chose her her classes for next semester, and she'll click on them, and it says, you know, some of them you have to have sophomore standing, and some of them you have to have taken these three classes first, and. And there are prerequisites to get into these classes. I feel like this book needs a prerequisite book that you have to read first to get some understanding before you get into this book. Yep. But anyway. All right. So I'm going to see if we can for, uh, fast forward a little bit here. The goal in life is not to attain some imaginary idea. It's to find and fully use our own gifts. Um, and you pulled out this quote when we talked about in part one of our conversation about chapter one with the, you know, God's never going to ask you, why were you not more like Moses, for example? Right. The question is, is have you discovered throughout your lifetime on this planet, did you discover who you are? And did you live in alignment with your mission, with your identity and your purpose? Did you create what you came here to create? Or did you live your life in a mirror reflection of the expectations of what your parents wanted for you or your teachers or your religious leaders? Did you live somebody else's dream or did you come and live the dream that you were here to live? Did you create what you were to create in this world or did you live other people's creations? Anything? Anything on that? No, that, right. I mean that that does it doesn't need anything else. The, the, but if you're asking the, me, Stephanie I've says you own. spoke so clearly, so eloquently that not anything needs to be added to that. That was pure I mean, perfection, Cliff. You are awesome. Yeah, that's not what I said. <laughs> but if that's what you want to hear, I'm just kidding. Well, I know because we just went through all of that. I know. Yeah. How the upper limit problem works. Each of us has an inner thermostat setting that determines Mine's how much broken. It's very hot in here. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Each of us has an in, inner thermostat setting that determines how much love, success, and creativity we allow ourselves to enjoy. When we exceed our inner, inner thermostat setting, we will often do something to sabotage ourselves, causing us to drop back into the old familiar zone where we feel more secure. So again, this is that upper limit problem. So if we think about this, um, if if we think about this in in the 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 what he's talking about. So let's just say it is summertime, and our comfort, our desire is let's just say a nice pleasant sixty nine degrees Fahrenheit in the house. All right, but outside it's 98 degrees and like a almost 100% humidity because well we live in northern Kentucky. Correct. And let's just say the door gets opened and we're bringing in, you know, something like big and heavy into the house and stuff like that. At some point so much heat is going to come into the house that all of a sudden the house is the the temperature is getting higher and higher and higher and next thing you know as soon as it goes above 69 degrees when it starts hitting 70 71 72 boom the thermostat says okay 
that's enough of this heat. We need to bring the temperature. So we're going to kick on the air conditioner to combat that heat and bring the temperature back down. And so that's exactly what's going on in our life. We have a financial thermostat. And this is what I, I love this. I read a book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eckerd. You never read that book, though, did you? I have not read that book yet, no. Do you remember when I read that book? I do. Do you remember anything I said about that book? No. I just swear the whole idea of every time you find a, a money on the ground, even if it's a penny, you pick it up and you yep. say, I am a money magnet. Well, yes, that part I got because okay. we are money magnets. Yes, we are money magnets. So, um, but there's so many amazing things. And one of the things that he talks about is everybody has a financial blueprint. He said he could ask you five questions and in that five questions, he can predict how much money you will make every year for the next three to five years unless you changed your blueprint. And one of the questions, by the way, is pull out your tax returns for the last three years and see if they aren't within two to four percent of each other. And if your if your tax returns for the last your your adjusted gross revenue or income adjust AGI, if your adjusted gross income for the past three years are within a few thousand dollars of each other every year consistently for the last three years, unless you change the thermostat setting. And all of the beliefs, thoughts, feelings, and emotions about money, unless you change that, you you will make that amount of money for the next three to five years. But that's that's completely up to you. You can change it. You can double, triple, quadruple, eight times, 10x your amount of income. But... Here's what happens, and that's the whole thing about the uh, the big prop, the the big leap is you're gonna hit your thermostat. You're gonna hit all sorts of unconscious beliefs that all of a sudden you're gonna be thinking it's like, wow, nobody should be making this much money. I I don't feel like I'm worthy of making this much money because I only work 30 hours a week and I make four hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year. And here I've got my mom and my dad and my cousins and my sister and brother-in-law, and they're all working 50, 60, 70 hours a week. And some of these people are just barely making 40,000 a year or 60,000 a year or 70. How am I, I can't, I can't make this much money. And those are the kinds of things we face. If you are experiencing the upper limit problem or the financial thermostat of not breaking through to new levels of income or financial success, I highly encourage you to read the book called Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Ecker. It changed my life. All right. Uh, let's see here. Unfortunately, our thermostat setting usually gets programmed in early childhood before we can even think about it ourselves. Once programmed, our upper limit thermostat setting holds us back from enjoying all of the love, financial abundance, and creative creativity that's rightly ours. And I love that he's talking about here because we don't just have a thermostat for how much money we, we feel comfortable earning. But we have a thermostat for how much love we experience. There's a thermostat for how 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 many days in a row can my wife and I be madly in love with one another and not have an argument. There's a limit. There, there's a thermostat setting for that. Uh, and and that sometimes is programmed in our early childhood based in and, and Stephanie and I both come from divorced families. So we can tell you right now, our thermostat was We've broke it. We did. We we. I actually just had this conversation with um with Megan the other day. Um, Megan's in a committed relationship, and her two roommates are both engaged to be married, and so they talk about they talk a lot about you know getting married and and if the, and um so one of the couples was in an argument actually about money and um, finances and um and so let me see if I can. Let me see if I can explain it correctly. So the man was asking, like, how can we fix this problem now so that it never becomes a problem again? Like, how can we how can we handle this so, th- so that we never have this fight again? And um, the fiancé is, is l- like, 
I, I, that's not possible. Like it's going to keep coming up. Like it, it's going to keep. And so I was telling Megan, like it is possible. You can get to a place where you don't like I said, your dad and I don't argue. We don't fight. Like we have disagreements and we work through them, but we don't fight. We bicker, but that's because it's fun. Like it's not in a. I I bicker because it's fun for you. Correct. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) You don't enjoy that? Nah, not as much. Okay, well, I'll just stop. No, yeah, I want you to continue to have fun. I, I don't want to nope. rob you of your joy, so please bicker away. Okay. <laughs> um, I know if, if we stopped I know, bickering, these would no longer be entertaining. I know, so th- th- I'm I'm fine with the bickering, and 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 then, yeah, yeah. It may not so, be the most enjoyable thing, but it's enjoyable to know that you're enjoying yourself, and so I've reframed it in that way. But say, okay, so I feel like you actually mean my sarcasm there. Okay. And not actually bickering. Because oh. if we didn't bicker, I would just agree with everything you said. And that oh, doesn't that, go yeah, against. No, yeah. I, that, no, I, I like I, I like your disagreements. I love it when you disagree with something okay. that I say. Um, because when, when I, there's something that I really want to pursue and I'm really concerned about it. And and you say and, and you speak to me and you agree that hey what you're doing is you know, keep going don't don't let anybody else don't don't worry about what anybody else thinks this is what you're meant to do this is what you want to do when you say those things it means something to me when you say those things because I know that when you don't agree with me you tell me right so I you're right okay okay I was okay your sarcasm and and digging and and all of that other stuff. That's what I was referring to, but right. you're talking about when we have when we are not in agreement with some sort of thing that we ought to do. For example, funding college for our kids, or you know, that doesn't really cause a bickering. That it, that causes a we're going to have a discussion. I understand that you don't like that wasn't it. And, and what is bickering then? Gonna, I, I, I'm I, just, I, I need know. to I need to understand what bickering Maybe is. Maybe I don't know what bickering is. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're sitting here having this but long conversation like, about bickering. We don't either one of us know what bickering is. I feel like what we're doing right now. Is this bickering? Could be described as bickering, or maybe that's what I would have described as, but maybe that isn't actually it. I don't know. Should we Google? I don't even know what the word bickering means. Now we've said, have you ever said a word so many times that it loses its meaning? Yes. <laughs> let's let's Google this. Hold on, watch this. We're gonna or like from Ted Lasso when you say a word so yeah. many times that like yeah. exactly that's what I'm talking about. Okay, bickering. Argue about petty and trivial matters. Okay, yeah, we do that. Yeah, we're bickering. <laughs> I do enjoy that. <laughs> so what you don't of- enjoy is like when I'm in the closet and I'm hanging up my laundry and you come in and say, hey, what are you doing? And I say, hey, I'm shearing sheep. That's what you don't. No, I enjoy that, too. I mean, that's sarcasm. That's, that's- sarcasm. I, I enjoy your sarcasm. Um, I just don't like it when we argue about non-petty and non-trivial things. <laughs> I don't, so, and that's the thing. I don't think we do very often. We don't. So I don't even have you, any. It's it. Here's the funny thing. I, you say that we don't fight. We sometimes we have disagreements, and there's something about the word disagreement. I don't even know that you and I have disagreements. We do. We disagree on college tuition, uh, okay. but we have come to an understanding. Hold on. So. I th- so this is this is a total offshoot from our topic of the big leap. But listen to this. In my mind, there's a difference between a disagreement, okay, and you and I not agreeing on something. But isn't that a disagreement? Like you I don't you're, know you're, that you're it is. I do, like no, cuz I think there's something about the word dis that means that you and I are, are never going to use negative words ever again. This is funny. Megan has an issue where she she was like, I have to write this email and, you know, tell these people that I'm, you know, I can't. And I or no, I said, you know, if you can't figure it out on your own, if you don't figure it out on your own, ask your dad for help. And she said, I already know what he's going to say. He's going to say, I can't do. It. I said he wouldn't use the word can't. He'd say unable. <laughs> Or I don't, do, I don't want to. I just don't I, want to. I wouldn't say I can't. I wouldn't say I'm, I'm uh, unable. I, w- I would literally. But no, probably, I was just like, you just, you yeah, wouldn't I, say the word can't. So it's like, no, I don't want to. So anyway. Anyway. So disagreement. 
So, so the idea of disagreement, for some reason, the word disagreement almost implies it's a, it's a fancier word for argument. And it's kind of like we are at odds with one another. We are in disagreement. And, and whereas you, you may believe something with great passion, we should fully fund all of our kids' college tuition. We should take care of all of their living expenses. We should buy all their meals and all that stuff. They should be responsible for nothing might be something that is a, is a very strong belief of yours. You believe this. And I'm like, I think our kids shouldn't have to go to college unless they know what they want to do. I believe that college is a waste of time. I believe that if you want to go to college, pay for it on your own dime. Go and get four jobs if you have to. Don't take out a loan. If you do, that's up to you. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, go. you're an, you're an adult now. Go start acting like one. And so that's my that's my very strong belief, right? And there there have been times when you and I actually kind of argued about that our our disagree and we had we each fought our side. Yeah, we 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 had disagreements. We, came- we actually had conversations where there was disagreement. Right. All right. But once we once we iron some things out and find out you know this and that and stuff like that finally we came to a place where we are not in disagreement with one another but it's not necessarily that i still agree with your values in this area i've just chosen to say i support your values even though i personally don't agree with those values myself right and so we may not agree that paying for college is the right thing to do for our children, but we're not in disagreement anymore. I don't know if that made sense. I don't know if that made sense either because I'm just stuck on the fact that you misrepresented my side. Well, I, I may never have... said that they shouldn't be financially responsible for anything. Well, this is true. Yeah, I, I may have used a little hyperbole. May I may have possibly potentially used a little hyperbole in my... I'm sure our adult children would write you a list of the things that they're financially responsible for. I'm sure they would. But if you wanted to have a disagreement, I could talk to you about how... But like, hey, you're very close to getting rid of the one. Fair enough. All right, we'll just move along. I love you. All right, uh, let's see here. How guilt operates in conjunction with the upper limit problem. Guilt shows up when we're feeling good or making extra money or feeling deeper love connection, loving connection in a relationship. Guilt shows up says, when we're feeling good, we may come up against that hidden barrier, an old belief such as, it, I must not feel good because fundamentally I'm fundamentally flawed. People like me don't deserve it. Have you ever noticed anything like that in your life where it's like, man, I just don't know if I should feel this good because you know, I'm a fundamentally flawed person? Well, let me ask you this. Have you ever felt like I'm a fundamentally flawed person? I am. I'm perfectly imperfect. Okay. I mean. Okay, so now, were you? Did you ever feel like you're you know imperfectly why? Because imperfect? Because I'm on a continuous journey. Did was there ever a time in your life where you felt like you were imperfectly imperfect? When other people tried to force their ways of life on me, yes. What yes, does that mean? Because I never other people trying to force their ways of life on you. I had to be a certain kind of mom. I had to be a certain kind of pastor's wife. I had to be a certain kind of woman. I had to be a certain kind of daughter. I had to be a certain kind of sister. I had to be a certain kind of daughter-in-law. I had there are there are so many expectations that can be placed on you on anyone. In my case, I'm a woman, so I use those those um, examples, but. Um, but expectations of others can be debilitating. Like trying to live up to other people's. Trying to live up to what other people expect of you. And I mean, I'll say it again, unspoken expectations, you will fail every time. So people that have expectations of you, but they don't have the heart to tell you those expectations, you will crumble every time and never, ever, ever feel like you add up to be enough. Ever. So yes, I have lived in that and and been in that. 
And then I went up to a very cold mountain and I froze it all off and I came back down and I no longer struggle with that. I think that's awesome. And, and, and so up till then there was a, did you, would you say that you had experienced guilt and shame about your imperfections and not living up to what everybody else says that I should be in this world? Can you say that again? Did you ever feel guilt or shame about oh. not living up to other people's standards? Yes, but I, I, I don't. I prior don't, to the mountaintop prior experience. Prior to the mountaintop, yeah. I, um, I did. And also because I was taught from a very early age that if you don't hold up to those expectations, you're supposed to feel guilt and shame. Like you're supposed to feel that. Yeah. Because you didn't meet their mark. And so I, I, now here's, here is, here's a little insight into my internal struggle. So did I live a life where, where I was um, literally crumbling and crushed to death under the expectations of others? Yes, absolutely. Did I, did I have that guilt and that shame that I was taught to have? Yes, I did. But when I was 19, 20 years old, right? Yeah. Like 19 or 20 years old. Um, probably 19. Cliff decided that he wanted to be a full-time pastor. And I remember sitting down with our head pastor at the time, um, Keith Rainey. And, and I, I told him and his wife that I'm not, I'm not cut to be a, a pastor's wife. Like I can't, I, cannot stand on that pedestal that that they expect a pastor's wife to stand on nor do I want to and Keith said to me at 19 years old that if I didn't like the mold that they were trying to put me in to break the mold so then I spent the next 13 years breaking the mold struggling between breaking the mold and dealing with and dealing with the expectations, yeah, people who were and not happy with the mold being broken. Internal struggle, and um, quite honestly, wasn't worth the effort that it cost me. You mean the struggle? My for the internal next struggle for the next thirteen years wasn't of, worth the struggle. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just trying to evaluate, evaluate that that statement and. You know, you, it meaning, got me nothing in my life. That internal turmoil, my internal, internal tor- turmoil. Look, look at me. I can't even speak anymore. Come on, spit it out there, babe. <laughs> internal turmoil got me nothing. I or did I it? Can't, no, I think that in that thirteen years, it got me nothing. But getting to that point and going to that mountain because i was at that point got me everything so okay in fact, so so, so the, in in the 13 years it was not serving you well but it was 13 years in a place of uncomfortable uncomfort pain living outside of alignment or i'm sorry actually trying to live in alignment with who you feel called to be but feeling guilty and shamed by others for being myself, for being yourself, um, and not living in alignment with their expectations and their rules and regulations and all and this other stuff. And it was that stuff. that got me everything, right? And, and, but it's it's the fact that you went through thirteen years of experiencing that. That today, you know, the fact that you went through it for thirteen years and then broke free is incredibly powerful. And if you think about it, if you only dealt with that for three weeks and then you immediately broke through after three weeks, you wouldn't have the same story that you have today. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't have the same experience. You wouldn't have the same passion for helping other people break through. You also wouldn't have the same understanding for the pain. Exactly. So those 13 years at the time, I understand now. That's what, but but it, it, yeah. And and I am going to use the word pain there and not soreness or hurt. Yes. Or it's pain. It was definitely that was pain. pain. <laughs> I, re- I remember extremely well. All right. Um, the last thing that we're going to do. Is it just me or is it hot in here? Like It I- is just you, Stephanie. Oh it feels so good in here. The temperature is absolutely perfect. Uh, well. Anyway. Uh, well, you know what? We're already at one hour, one minute in recording. <laughs> I'm. And, it. And, this and, chapter's done. <laughs> and 
and and we still need to record the intro for this episode <laughs> on the family from the heart side. We still <laughs> describe what the zones are. <laughs> But but Ooh. next week we will do part four of chapter one of the Big Leap. What do you think? I I think I'm not going to finish this book. I'm just going to read your notes from now. On. <laughs> That's not I've fair. Read it. Uh, yeah, it is. I've read it once. And your notes are like very detailed. All right. Well, I'll try not to be so detailed in my notes next time. Uh, freeing yourself from the upper limit problem. Um, I think we'll just talk about the four, four zones of activity in the world, and and that's really the last part of this chapter, but we can talk about that next week. Okay. I just got my puppers. All righty. Stephanie, hmm. this has been fun. This I like our fun. little, I like our tangents of conversation. Megan does not, apparently. Well, she doesn't matter. <laughs> And I only say that in context of our I'm conversation in this episode. She doesn't have the power of influence. Of how you feel. Of our podcasting efforts. There we go. Uh, that's so fun. This I, I love these conversations. And, and I hope that once we finish chapter one, you'll read chapter two. Just so you have a, a, just... a fresher than a several years ago I read this kind of thing. And I'll try to take less notes and we'll go through it faster. But if not... I just love the fact that, I mean, I love the freedom and the flexibility for you and I to take a line and go in a completely different rabbit trail than what, and this is fun. This is, this is enjoyable content for me. I, I hope that you're enjoying it as well. I am. Stephanie, until next time, we want to encourage people to. I don't even have a clue. Take their lives to the next level. They could do that. Ex- embrace your true identity de- identity, and forget about what other people think. I do like that. There you go. I do like that. Here's Until next deal. time, understand that nobody Until else next matters. Time, break up with the influence of others. Mindset and